one, one, one. One. Okay. <clears throat> okay. You know, uh, everybody gets lost right about this uh, slide. So uh, it's not unusual. But I, I'm going to try to keep it as simple as possible but if you look at this a uh, couple of times you might start to appreciate what's uh, what the salvage path pathway is about I want you to just first look at the top of the slide okay PRPP to IMP this just short segment there that's your de novo synthesis that we said that entire page I said you don't have to worry about. It's just kind of put in one corner of the page. But this is the entire de novo synthesis about a dozen steps. And we make IMP, then we make AMP from it, and we make GMP from it on, uh, on a different slide. But I want you to see what happens to these guys. Let's say we made them let's say we use them from for whatever metabolic uh, fate we did and then we re we got gmp amp and imp back so the normal thing for the cell to do would be to take these and break them down all the way to uric acid so from these three red squares all the way to uric acid is degradation of nucleotides again we're not going to cover it in great detail however the cell does something interesting instead of letting these intermediates like degradative intermediates hypoxanthine and guanine and adenine, in this case it really should be adenine, go all the way to uric acid, they are recycled back by reattaching a ribose phosphate, pyrophosphate to them, and that's what HGPRT is doing. It picks up hypoxanthine from degradation in the cell, and guanine and reconverts them to IMP and GMP. Now GMP can become GDP, GTP and be used in nucleic acid synthesis or whatever process needs to be used at and so on. Similarly APRT is specific for adenine says adenosine but that's the best uh, I could come up with here that's the original textbook slide uh, uh, APRT does that for adenine. So, and then I want to take you here. Most of what we made there, IMP made through de novo synthesis, is recycled through the salvage pathway. So these three 
pathways represent the salvage pathway. Okay, that's what the salvage pathway is. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, very important thing. I want you to always remember purines, the parent compound, parent molecule is IMP. The end product is always uric acid. That's just for purines, very important. The segregation of purines and pyrimidine is, is very important in many ways. So this is the end product of degradation of purines. So the purines we eat are always going to produce uric acid because we're not going to use them. We're going to degrade them all the way to uric acid. Okay. Now, in the case of HGPRT deficiency, this enzyme, think of it, is not there. And it's not there. So that means hypoxanthine and guanine will be fluxing a lot through to uric acid, and that's why you have hyperuricemia. Because half of the salvage pathway, or two-thirds of the salvage pathway, is not even present. Okay. Give you a little time to look at it, and I think it'll start making sense. Now, if you produce excess uric acid, that is called hyperuricemia or gout. Now, the overproduction of uric acid is one component. You can have a problem also with under-excretion of uric acid. And I'll tell you about that in a little bit. But since we're still talking a little bit about degradation, I had forgotten about this. Uh, adenosine, the aminase, this enzyme here, takes adenosine and breaks it down and takes it down through uh, xanthine, hypoxanthine, back to uric acid. But the idea here, there's an important enzyme that is um, uh, degrading adenosine. And there is a very severe uh, inherited deficiency in this enzyme. Although uh, AMP and adenosine, AMP can be metabolized this way, but uh, uh, adenosine deaminase is the more important pathway. And when you have a deficiency in this enzyme, it results in a very uh, severe immune uh, immunocompromised uh, situation. It's called severe com uh, combined immunodeficiency, SIDS, because of this enzyme deficiency. This inherited, again, this is a rare deficiency, but this inherited deficiency results in uh, inability to really make enough T and B cells. And these T and B cells, you are ma making hundreds of millions, sometimes billions of these daily. If you can't make them, your immune system is not functioning. Uh, so these individuals are severely immunocompromised and are going to be, uh, 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 they're going to uh, get all kinds of infections because of that. <coughs> Uh, I'll come to this a little later, why this happens, but, uh, uh, but the mechanism a little later will make more sense. But I just want you to know the enzyme deficiency and what, what's the outcome of that. Okay. 
Another important uh, deficiency in the degradation of purines is uh, purine phosphorylase, uh, purine nucleotide phosphorylase, and it's going to take guanosine, removes the ribose from it to form guanine, and then this can be degraded all the way to uric acid. Uh, this one, uh, purine nucleotide phosphorylase deficiency is not as severe as ADA deficiency. It uh, only affects uh, T cells. And uh, so you want to be aware of those two uh, deficiencies. <coughs> now I'm back to uh, the end product of all purine degradation. Uric acid. Let me just say a couple of things about uric acid. Uric acid is sparingly soluble in water. So if it's at a certain level, it can be easily excreted in the urine by the kidney. <coughs> Once it starts going up, you're going to have this precipitate hyperuricemia and that is going to uh, manifest itself primarily in the joints, uh, in synovial fluids. And then these uh, uric acid crystals are perceived by the immune system as something foreign. So they're, gonna, they're going to cause an inflammatory response. And, you know, T cells, uh, macrophages, granulocytes, will, uh, neutrophils will go to that site and that's uh, going to cause inflammation, pain, and, and so on, uh, arthritic type of uh, inflammation. So excess production of uric acid or under-excretion of puric uh, uric acid can result in hyperuricemia. And that's the same thing as gout. Okay, gout is the condition of hyperuricemia. So there are the real cause of primary gout here on this slide is not really known, meaning it can be either, either uh, due to overproduction of uric acid or under excretion of pure uric acid. Secondary gout, so this could, uh, uh, so th there's not really a, uh, a known uh, defect here for sure. Secondary gout is where you have hyperuricemia and it could be due to a number of different conditions or treatments. And obviously one of the most important that we talked about was HGPRT deficiency in this inherited disorder. You have hyperuricemia because of excessive uh, degradation of purines to form uric acid. But that's not to say that there aren't other conditions that result in the same thing in hyperuricemia. You have uh, certain uh, uh, anti-cancer treatments can uh, result in uh, hyperuricemia, uh, renal insufficiency can result in hyperuricemia, uh, excess alcohol consumption can result in hyperuricemia, but as far as enzyme deficiency, inherited enzyme deficiency, uh, this is the one of the main causes, HGPRT. Okay, so uh, 
this is uh, manifested here, index finger with the, uh, uh, the uric uh, uh, acid uh, crystals there. And uh, it can be big toe, anywhere in the body, really. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the key here is uh, this is what shows up in a phase contest. Uh, these are the crystals of uric acid, these uh, wire-fringent yellow uh, crystals inside the uh, macrophages. <coughs> so this condition really can happen not uh, for, as I mentioned, a number of reasons, and it's important to manage it. And really the management has to do with how you manage uric acid. I want you to just look at the last two steps of degradation. Same enzyme, xanthine oxidase. Okay? Takes hypoxanthine to xanthine, xanthine to uric acid. If you let me just go back for a second. If you inhibit this enzyme here and there, you most likely will have hypoxanthine, maybe some xanthine, uh, accumulate instead of uric acid. So the most effective treatment for gout is a drug that does just that, called allopurinol. It's an enzyme it's a drug that inhibits xanthine oxidase. It's an important non-competitive inhibitor of xanthine oxidase. And that's one of the more important treatments. This here is a really kind of a, a secondary treatment, but that's more has to do more with uh, inflammation than, than with uh, uh, the metabolism of uh, uh, to uric acid. Okay? <coughs> So this is an important drug. Pay attention to the drug and the target enzyme. By doing that, uh, uh, xanthine and, and uh, hypoxanthine are much more water-soluble, so they're easily excretable, much more easily excretable than uh, uric acid. <coughs> okay, so we have an about 35 minutes to go through pyrimidines, which is enough usually okay so again I'll, I'll recap a couple of things make sure you know the rate limiting enzyme for purine synthesis make sure you understand the salvage pathway and the role of the two enzymes in the salvage pathway and make sure you know what are the contributing uh, amino acids for the purine rings uh, and uh, all the drugs we've covered thus far Pay attention to the target enzyme. What is the drug doing and what it is a treatment for, basically. Okay, so you keep your uh, uh, learning objectives here focused, if you want. Okay, well, pyrimidines <coughs> are a little simpler in a way. Uh, and they're going to actually be synthesized almost the reverse way as purines and 
again, one of the key thing about pyrimidines you want to know is which molecules contribute to the pyrimidine ring. One ring. The reason I'm saying you want to know if it's one ring or two rings, because occasionally, even on board exams, you might be shown a nucleotide structure. If you don't know if it's a purine or pyrimidine, you can't decide what drug is going to be used. Okay, So that's why I say it's good to pay attention at least to recognize that's a purine or a pyrimidine. Okay, so you need to know what amino acids are required. It, uh, they are simpler, actually, than, than uh, purines. You need aspartic acid and glutamine. Most importantly, most important difference for pyrimidines is that you do not need THF or folic acid. Okay? So that's very important. Know that slide. <coughs> now, there's uh, in in purine synthesis, we started with the PRPP and started building the purine. Here, with pyrimidine synthesis, we're going to build the pyrimidine ring separately, independently. And we're going to then, at the end of that synthesis, add the ribose, ring, uh, ribose sugar to it. The rate-limiting enzyme of all pyrimidine synthesis is carbamyl phosphate synthase 2. And here's this, what this enzyme does. This enzyme will take a CO2, two ATPs, and nitrogen from glutamine to make this very important activated intermediate. Carbamyl phosphate is a, a very uh, reactive molecule active reactive molecule. It's going to be used to the rest of the synthesis of pyrimidine uh, uh, nucleotides. Okay? Really, from this point on, I wouldn't worry that much about the details until you get to here to orotate. First you make dihydroorotate, then orotate is really uh, an important intermediate where the ring is complete. So you want to know here, this first one, it's uh, uh, basically activated by ATP, activated by PRPP, inhibited by pyrimidine nucleotide triphosphates and diphosphates and monophosphates, really. The end products, if you want. Okay, so, uh, so this is an important enzyme you want to know. The rest of the way, you don't need to know until we get to orotate. Then orotate uh, is going to attach itself to the ribose containing PRPP. Orotate phosphorabosyl transferase here gives you OMP, orotidine monophosphate, and OMP 
gets decarboxylated to give you the parent pyrimidine. So carbonophosphate synthase 2 is the rate-limiting enzyme. The parent pyrimidine made is UMP, and the, the ribose is added at the end of the synthesis. Now, there are two important enzymes here that convert orotate to UMP. And they are part of the same polypeptide, same protein. And there's an inherited deficiency associated with these uh, enzymes. Let me see. There's an inherited de deficiency associated with these enzymes. Uh, uh, orotate uh, uh, phosphorabicyl transferase or OMP decarboxylase. If either one is deficient, this accumulates orotate and it accumulates in the, in the urine, bloodstream urine, and you get erotic or uh, acidorrhea. It is uh, typically associated with a couple of things, important things. Slow growth, and this inherited deficiency, slow growth, and megaloblastic anemia. Okay? Uh, so you want to know this, uh, uh, these two enzymes, and then uh, that they can result in aerobic aciduria, uh, megaloblastic anemia, and uh, slow development and growth. And obviously, the slow growth is because, and hemigaloblastic anemia, if you cannot make pyrimidines at a sufficient rate, then you're going to slow down DNA synthesis, RNA synthesis, and so on. <coughs> okay, I, I wanted to, I'm going to go back to the slide that gives you uh, the slide. I just want to uh, alert you that there are really two such enzymes are very similar, we're not going to cover the first one. The abbreviation for the pyrimidine enzyme is CPS2. This one will be covered in the urea uh, cycle, so I don't worry about it, but I just want you to be aware that there are two enzymes that make the same molecule and they function in two different pathways. So uh, just know this bottom one uh, that's relevant to the pyrimidine synthesis. Basically, UDP, UTP inhibit the end products. Glutamine is a source of nitrogen and, uh, and it's, uh, the enzyme is in the cytosol. <coughs> okay, so... Uh, we just talked about that, and uh, sometimes uh, this is one example where some pyrimidines from the diet can make it into the system. Okay, so I'm just going to tell you here uh, in the case of aerobic aciduria, sometimes supplement supplementing with uridine takes care of the fact that the, these individuals cannot make enough pyrimidine. If you supplement with uridine, eventually you can make, you can attach it to uh, 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 ribose and, and uh, start from there without going through the biosynthetic pathway. <coughs> okay, 
So again, for pyrimidines, parent pyrimidine is always going to be UMP. From UMP, same thing, you can go to the UDP and uh, UTP through a monophosphate, uridine monophosphate uh, kinase or, uh, or uh, uh, really nucleotide monophosphate kinase and nucleotide diphosphate kinases sequentially and you make UTP. <coughs> From UTP, you can then make the second pyrimidine, CTP, and if we look, the difference between these two is the amine group, and that comes from glutamine. <coughs> so all you need to do to know here is that you can make CTP directly from UTP uh, by adding uh, a nitrogen from glutamine, <coughs> and the enzyme is CTP synthase. Now there are three pyrimidines. We've made two. Uh, I'm gonna sort of ask you to pay attention to the fact that those two require only glutamine and aspartate for their synthesis. They don't require THF. So two of the pyrimidines we made don't require any tetrahydrofolate or folic acid and will not be affected if there is a deficiency in THF or folic acid. Now I'm going to take a little detour here uh, and talk about something else before we talk about the third pyrimidine. Okay? Uh, and this is the detour I want to take. The detour here is that we've talked primarily about purine and pyrimidine nucleotides that are of the ribonucleotide variety, where the ribose is this ribose sugar with the hydroxyl at the two position. That's what we need for RNA synthesis, if you want. However, what's probably just as important or maybe more important is the formation of deoxyribonucleoside diphosphates from ribonucleoside diphosphates. From this, we can make deoxyribonucleotide uh, triphosphate, and those are the nucleotide, the deoxy derivatives uh, uh, of NTPs are the nucleotides we need for DNA synthesis. So there's a single enzyme that does that, ribonucleotide reductase. This is probably one of the most important enzymes affecting DNA synthesis. Deoxyribonucleotide uh, formation that is needed for DNA synthesis. So ribonucleotide reductase is the enzyme that removes this hydroxyl and gives you deoxyribose instead of the ribose. Two important things about that enzyme. First one, it only works on the diphosphate form of the nucleotide. And it works on all of these, ADP, CDP, GDP, UDP, forming the corresponding deoxy derivative. 
the diphosphate deoxyderivative. That's very important. It has a unique substrate specificity. Second important thing about this enzyme, don't worry about the bottom part of the, just know the name of the enzyme and uh, what its substrate uh, specificity is a requirement. Second important thing about this enzyme is that it is inhibited by two unique molecules, deoxy ATP. Think of this as an allosteric inhibitor of the enzyme, very important inhibitor of the enzyme. And another molecule called hydroxyurea. Hydroxyurea uh, is, as a matter of fact, a, an anti-cancer drug. And here's the idea or the strategy behind it. Hydroxyurea prevents the formation of deoxyribonucleotides, all deoxyribonucleotides. So that means the four uh, uh, Deoxy forms are not available for DNA synthesis, so it's going to stop cellular growth, period. Well, obviously, this is a pretty potent thing because it will affect uh, a lot of other rapidly growing cells besides uh, cancer cells. So we've talked thus far about this would be the second anti-cancer drug. This is targeting uh, all deoxyribonucleotide synthesis purines and pyrimidines by targeting this enzyme. Methotrexate only affects purine synthesis by targeting dihydrofolate synthase. So keep those in mind and I'll uh, uh, and maybe I'll remind you of them at the end as well. <coughs> okay, so this is really just to tell you, don't worry too much about the mechanisms here. I'm not going to tell you, uh, uh, get into the mechanisms, but uh, DATP is a strong inhibitor, while ATP is an activator, okay? And hydroxyurea is a drug that can inhibit the enzyme uh, and is used as an anti-cancer drug. <coughs> okay. You all with me? Okay. So we talked about two uh, uh, two pyrimidines, UMP and then CTP from UTP. Uh, let me just kind of remind you of what you can do then from uh, before we go here. Uh, let's say you got uh, UDP worked on by ribo by the enzyme just uh, before. Let me go back, it uh, may help you visualize. Let's say the base here, let's say this was UDP, okay? You go through ribonucleotide reductase, you become deoxy UDP because you removed the hydroxyl. Now that deoxy UDP can uh, you can remove a phosphate from it by a phosphatase and it becomes deoxy UMP. 
So I want you to kind of follow that with me here because that deoxy-UMP now is going to be used to make the third pyrimidine needed for specifically for DNA synthesis. And the third pyrimidine is thymidine. <coughs> so you're going to make deoxy-TMP from deoxy-UMP. To do that, so what's different here is we're starting with, uh, remember here, we're starting with the deoxy form of UMP. This is not a ribose, this is a deoxyribose. <coughs> and the enzyme that does that is really is going to add this methyl group to the deoxy UMP. Uh, the enzyme is called thymidylate synthase. So you form deoxy-TMP. But you want to also pay attention to where is this methyl group coming from. This methyl group is coming from none other than our vitamin friend, tetrahydrofolate. Okay? Methylene tetrahydrofolate. Here is the CH2, the methylene is being donated to DUMP by THF to form deoxy-TMP. This enzyme, because it's very specific and it's, it's actually very an important uh, target enzyme, uh, because it only makes deoxy-TMP. It so happens that this enzyme has been a target for a third anti-cancer drug, 5-fluorouracil. This, uh, this molecule inhibits the enzyme uh, basically almost irreversibly and prevents the formation of deoxy-TMP. And if you don't, you can't make one of the nucleotides needed for DNA uh, synthesis, then that's enough to stop all of DNA synthesis. Very important principle, I keep uh, emphasizing that. If you don't have the four deoxyribonucleotides needed for DNA synthesis present at the same time in the nucleus, which means uh, deoxy ATP, deoxy GTP, deoxy CTP, and deoxy TTP. If they're not, if one of these is missing, you're going to shut down DNA synthesis. And really, this is kind of the basic strategy for a lot of these antiviral, anti-cancer, even an some antimicrobials, antifungal drugs, is to uh, inhibit or stop the, synth the synthesis of just one nucleotide would be sufficient to stop 
uh, nucleic acid synthesis, replication, transcription, and cell growth. So I want I'd like you really to understand that principle. So uh, so a third cancer uh, drug targets thymidylate synthase, but because this enzyme requires THF then the synthesis of deoxy-TMP is also susceptible to methotrexate. Because if you don't have enough THF, then you cannot make deoxy-TMP. So, so thymidine synthesis can be inhibited in one of two ways, either fluorouracil or by methotrexate. Obviously, methotrexate will also inhibit the two purines adenine and uh, and guanine nucleotides <laughs> okay and that's the same thing and uh, uh, I think that's about uh, just to tell you that 5-fluorouracil uh, uh, is really metabolized uh, uh, to, uh, to, f to form 5-fluorouMP Okay, and that's how uh, uh, it becomes a uracil uh, analog. And uh, there are really other analogs that are used in cancer treatment and antiviral treatment, and they usually involve either the uh, um, uh, sugar derivative, changes in the sugar derivative, or the nitrogenous base. Uh, so I'm going to just uh, leave this here. The rest couple of slides are maybe too too much information, but I want you to do the uh, this la a couple of things here. The uh, one last thing, I just want to say something about pyrimidines. Pyrimidines, first of all, when they are degraded, they do not do not form uric acid. Okay, they form other metabolites. And those metabolites sometimes can be converted and uh, be used to make spe specific amino acids. So pyrimidines do not produce uric acid. Very important. They're metabolized differ differently. But the second important thing about pyrimidines is that they are going to be uh, recycled similarly. There's a salvage pathway for pyrimidines that we, we're not going to get into because there aren't any inherited deficiencies in that. So we're not going to. But it's the same idea. You catch uh, intermediate degradative uh, metabolites and you recycle them by attaching them to uh, phosphorabicyl uh, phosphate. So uh, uh, to, to just to give you a final kind of... A, uh, a reminder of what you want to do. Focus on the drugs and the, their target enzymes. Make sure you know which amino acids are required for purine, which amino acids are required for pyrimidines, which nucleotides need tetrahydrofolate, which nucleotides don't. Uh, any of the deficiencies we, we've covered, you want to know the phenotype, you want to know the name of the enzymes. These are obviously very uh, obvious things. Okay, we have, I have to get your participation here. So, uh, please participate.
That's okay. That's okay. That's a standard response. That's a standard. That's my only trick question. Okay. Uh, the PRPP synthesis really is is uh, only preparing the substrate, which is ribose phosphate, to become phosphoribosyl pyrophosphate. The second enzyme in that pathway which starts the synthesis of the purine ring which is glutamine PRPP amidotransferase is the rate limiting enzyme so uh, these 21% were paying attention uh, and these 53% were paying too much attention to the first step okay alright I'll see you guys tomorrow <laughs>